Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, Many of you have joined today that have uh, decided to embark upon this week-long journey um, with us um, that uh, in celebration, believe it or not, uh, in 10 years of doing this podcast um, and and live show, uh, we have a show every night. And um, so last night, uh, we had uh, Miss Alina Adams, who, based in New York City, uh, shared with us her thoughts, a parent advocate in New York City, uh, when grades and test scores don't match. Um, And I'm going to talk about tonight's show, but tomorrow we have uh, author and professor Eric Alterman, who's going to talk about why leaders lie and his book, Thursday, we have a panel of uh, current school leaders from all over the United States that are going to share with us about what's changed in school leadership, particularly in a as we emerge from the pandemic. Um, there are a lot of things that are newly expected of school leaders. And then finally, on Friday, uh, a special time, um, at 2 p.m., we're going to have an open forum on educational leadership, where we're going to have leaders and aspiring school leaders to talk about their concerns, their aspirations, and what have you for education, and particularly public education in the United States. And that one is actually going to be simulcast with uh, YouTube Live. And so we're going to have video on, on Friday at 2 p.m. Now, today, I, you know, I've received so many, whether they phone calls, emails, text messages, that there are a lot of people who are excited about tonight's topic. And, um, you know, just in the way of tonight is not uh, any different from what I have, how I've uh, hosted this show in the past, which is it's a conversation. And I always tell my my, uh, guests, uh, think cocktail party. Um, and we gonna, we're going to have a conversation in this one. You know, this one is more, of, this is more like a living room conversation, actually, um, where uh, we have some clips I'm going to ask them to respond to and just have an authentic, genuine conversation about uh, black men and emotions. Um, and I'm going to tell you how this started. I was um, uh, looking through Uh, some social media posts, and I sent it to a friend and colleague of mine out in California and and said, um, basically, uh, let's talk about this. And and after a few conversations, it became clear that this would be an excellent um, topic to cover on the show. And so as I started to think, uh, um, my colleague recommended someone um, and and then we just went from there. And so I'm delighted to introduce to you um, three of my uh, newly uh, found friends, and and I'm I'm just 
uh, excited to have this conversation. Uh, we've, we've allocated an, an hour, and but who knows? You might find out it might go on for a while. So, but um, we, we've allocated an hour to have this, this well, uh, very much needed conversation. And so let me introduce you in alphabetical order. So I, there's no uh, order of importance here for any of us. Um, and so, uh, because these are all um, dynamic black men who are doing incredible work in their community. So I'm going to start with Michael Eatman, who is a um, certified diversity professional. He's an executive coach, uh, an advanced EQ and mindful uh, facilitation practitioner. He founded his own firm of Culture 7 Coaching. And um, he is uh, with us today, um, one of our uh, faculty members, adjunct faculty members in our Summer Principals Academy. Um, we also have Victor Ferguson, who is the creator of Optimal uh, Wellness Community, uh, which focuses on optimizing all aspects of wellness, including physical, nutritional, spiritual, economic, mental, emotional, and more. Um, and then last but not least, we have uh, Dennis Chambers, who has worked in conflict resolution and mediation field for over 20 years. Um, he has extensive experience and has that has afforded him the ability uh, to serve in varied settings, um, and he uses a holistic approach to problem solving and conflict uh, management. So I just want to welcome all of my brothers to this uh, conversation. Welcome, everyone. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so as I said, you know, um, there was this clip, and um, I'm going to play it for you. Um, and it was I don't know where or who was conducting the interview, but um, the Hall of Fame basketball star Shaquille O'Neal um, was talking to uh, a facilitator. Of, of this interview, and he was talking about emotions. And, you know, it is such a complicated um, conversation just generally. They say just across all parts of the spectrum, men and women and um, others and, and black, white, Hispanic, you name it. And so it's just all it's very complicated uh, emotions anyway, and it becomes even more complicated. And I can speak as a black man within the black community around the articulation and display of emotions. And so I'm going to play this clip, a short clip, less than a minute, and very powerful uh, uh, commentary that Shaq had on his own emotions. Listen with me here. I don't have time to feel emotions. Why? Because when you're put in a certain position, you have to make sure everybody else is okay. I don't use the term baby mamas. I have two lovely women that I'm responsible for. Even if they're in a relationship, I'm responsible for you. It's a man's job to protect, provide, and love. I have six children that I'm responsible for. I have a mother that I'm responsible for. I got one remaining brother, one remaining sister that I'm responsible for. Before I think about myself, I have to think about them. And by the time I think about them all every day, then I gotta go to work. It's 2 a.m. So I don't have time to have an emotion. That's a man's job. And I live a good life. I ain't got time to complain about nothing. So I don't have emotions. 
I have a job to do. I have to take care of my family. So, Michael, I want to I want to start with you there. You 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 coach people in EQ and and teach EQ. How do you respond to that? Yeah, Doc, thank you just again for having me on this call, Brother Dennis and Victor, and just to all the listeners. When I when I listen to the video clip, well, it's a video clip, but I listen to it from audio perspective. I can feel it in my, I can feel all that emotion in my chest because, um, on the one hand, I hear uh, the sense of I got a job to do, and so I don't have time to feel emotions. And at the same time, I understand that without utilizing our emotions, particularly as a black man, when I don't use my emotions, I'm shutting down some of the pieces of myself that help me to thrive. And so I'm conflicted by uh, there's this, there's a certainly a part truth in that statement, and I have to be careful that if I don't take care of my own self, I really can't take care of others. So it's a toss-up as I'm listening to it even again. Anyone else? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is Victor. Um, thanks again for, for having the show. Uh, I think that um, a lot of times when people say emotions, what they mean is kind of the negative aspect of emotions. Mm-hmm. They don't even identify um, the positive emotions that help to drive them to be the person that they are. Uh, I think yeah. what Sack was seemingly referring to was just the negative emotions. Like he didn't have time for sadness or confusion yeah. or things yeah. like that because he has to be clear with handling his duties and responsibilities. And that's completely understandable, but we're always dealing with emotions. Like to, to, to say something like that in the position that he is really demonizes something that's an important aspect of us to give us clarity on what our purpose is, what, what, you know, what's going to help us to be able to impact the world and impact our family to the best. And, you know, what's going to help to, to drive us towards success. So, so, yeah, no, I, I don't, you know, I, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have tried so hard to win games <laughs> if you didn't enjoy and get sure, happiness sure. from winning, you know, yeah. like, come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hi, this is, uh, this is Dennis and, uh, you know, fine. Thank you for, for having me on, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and also guys welcome as well. And I'm appreciative to be, be here with you guys. I think when I hear that, um, it, it, it stirs up a variety of emotions for me, uh, if, I, if I could use it, uh, that phrase. Uh, I think that, um, you know, I think contextually about Shaq, and, and I, I know he was raised in a, in a military household of some sort. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure of his relationship with his father or um, how he perceived uh, roles and responsibilities. So I'm, I'm just curious as to the backdrop um, because there's so much of, of how we define, uh, you know, and express our notion of uh, masculinity is housed in, you know, our, our perspective of how we were raised and as well as how we connect to our environment, you know. You know, Back. so much in our community when we talk about uh, masculinity or talk about emotion, you know, so much uh, research has been, has been written about this notion around hyper-masculinity. And, yes. and um, you know, a lot of it, you know, when I think of Shaq and I think about the, the military background and I think about structure and for myself, you know, growing up in a structured environment, I'm, I'm also thinking about, you know, how emotions play a role 
and uh, the vulnerability that it exposes one to, and as well as the, the legacy that that comes along that that makes up my own sense of being. Um, I, I think that you know sometimes it's not something we we verbalize or we sometimes put no to, but there's an expectation that in order to to be able to show up and and to do well, one needs to be able to to put emotions aside and be pragmatic and and to to function in a way that's results oriented, which oftentimes you know a society at large looks at emotion as something that gets in the way of productivity or effectiveness. But on a different note, I mean, you know, I mean, if you look back at uh, the, the impact of, of slavery and the impact of, yes. of, of what we as a people we carry within within us, um, you know, so much um, historically has been the role of, of a black man that's being uh, disseminated through media about this black man who's uh, either invincible or whether it's through sports or athletics or to, you know, we're you're not supposed to be the black man that can show emotion. And if you do show emotion, then you're you're aggressive, you're violent, or or, or labeled with with uh, you know demonizing features. Mm-hmm. So it it's 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 heavy. Um, you know, Shaq, what what Shaq says there is heavy, but uh, you know, I hear a sadness in his in his tone. Uh-huh. Um, mm. And and if one were to to really look at his his life and his life story, you know, whether it's relationships or how he's, you know, having the many kids or what it means, you know, one might dissect to see what kind of, um, you know, what's taking place internally for him. I mean, I don't want to put words to something I'm not sure of or haven't experienced with him mm-hmm. per se, but I think it's, as you dissect his life, his story, it's not uncommon that we all share, but then there, there, there's things there. I, 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 I kind of wanted to. Uh, this is Victor, by the way. I kind of wanted to speak on that, um, his upbringing a little bit, and that whole, um, that, 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 that narrative of, of not having time because you have a job to do, uh, kind of mindset. And I had a revelation about this, just really meditating on on emotions and the impact of emotions uh, a few months back on how just throughout history, when it comes to being able to protect the village, you know, men had to be warriors, you know, or, or, or hunters, you know. And oftentimes I feel like um, in different places in history, we weren't able to really self-check ourselves and analyze what we're going through um, mm-hmm. as we're having to do something that's duty-driven. Yes. And, and and I could see in certain spaces where um, doing that may be a, a little bit of a hindrance to what it is that you're actually doing. And and I think that that, that mindset has its place. Um, and that's why sometimes when I'm having discussions about emotional intelligence with, with, with especially young folks, you know, just talking about, you know, acknowledging your emotions and processing them doesn't mean you have to show them transparently to everybody mm-hmm. that you're processing them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah, what that means, because because that yeah. can be something that could that could conjure up a sense a sentiment of vulnerability during mm-hmm. trivial times, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Victor. Yeah. Well, something that I talk about with colleagues often is we would like to double click on that, and something that both you and Dennis said is uh, it's kind of the systems that we are born into, and so when we think about the fact that we that we have a certain position. 
um, and I have to I have to be hard to make it happen, or boys don't cry. I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that uh, through the work that we've been doing through emotional intelligence, we we realize that there's more than one emotion at play at a time. And so if I don't mm-hmm. acknowledge that both there's there's hurt and there's joy, boy, you know I don't know about you brothers, but I have three children, and I'm always thinking about how I need to take care of them. And so there's a, there's a drive to make things happen, but also I want them to see me in a space that you talked about, both uh, you, uh, Victor, and Dennis, of vulnerability, because there's something that yeah. I can use with that vulnerability mm-hmm. that can really drive them. But we're in a different time when in days of slavery, there was not, we didn't have that space to really show, we didn't have the choice, first of all, or the personhood to be able to show that. So I think uh, I have been trying to move a little bit off of, uh, Shaq, and I don't think we're getting on him, I think looking, panning out at what it means to be a black man and, and even the title of our show, Black Men Don't Cry. So how do we dissect we have more than one emotion and how do we begin to use those emotions? So I'm just celebrating what you brothers are. I'm taking good notes from what you catch today. So I, yeah, I appreciate you, that. You know, um, <laughs> you, you hit on something very important for me, Michael, just kind of going back to the historical significance that we we of this idea about emotional and this the display of emotions. Um, now, personally, yeah. I, I just you know I, I kind of think, and and my sisters may um, disagree with this, but I just can't remember a time where I, I remember you know kind of crying, and they said I used to cry a lot, um, <laughs> but um, I just don't <laughs> remember a time where people were saying don't cry, you know, don't do that. Um, I just don't remember that much. And and one thing that I know just from reading uh, narratives and other stories that this has deep roots in slavery. And some of the, our parenting um, in terms of how we act um, and how we are, we don't really, all we know is that it was passed down, that you shouldn't do that. Don't cry. Don't um, you know, and some of you know, straighten your face, you know. Right, you know, you've yeah. heard heard parents say these things, but, um, you know, and, and I just wonder how much of it is rooted way, way back at a time when, from what I've read, um, young young children could put families in jeopardy if they weren't well-behaved, right, or if they weren't, um, yeah. they weren't quiet. And and so because I've watched and I, I tell my friends all the time, I watch uh, the way because I've been very curious um, as to how other cultures raise their children. And I, you know, one thing that, you know, I, I have heard often um, in uh, different cultures other than uh, black. And of course, I'm not speaking for all blacks, but. I've heard more so in other cultures, um, parents, when a child is crying, um, say things like, I understand that you're upset. Um, however, we're not doing this, or you can't have that. Um, but kind of validating. That sounds like, that sounds like optimal wellness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, but, but um, I don't hear a lot of that when, when in malls, but it has, it has really uh, – deep implications for the way blacks have been treated for children that were seen as yeah. not, you know, as not well behaved. And so what I hear, yeah. 
you know, because I, I heard a couple of you talking about parenting, um, but what I hear a lot of is, um, in addition to the fix your face, is, you know, kind of, you know, shut that up, you know, don't, I don't want to hear that, or you better stop crying, um, and there's no real acknowledgement of that as an emotion um, that is like any other emotion. You know, I tell a lot of teachers, it's like, allow children um, the space to experience the range of human emotions. They're going to be sad. It's not a bad thing. Um, and and it, they're going to be happy. They're going to, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't deny them those emotions any more than you would say, hey, stop smiling. So it's, it's right. how you feel. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. This is Dennis. Um, I think that the challenge um, is for us to, you know, un- unpack some of the things that we carry um, internally that's passed on from generation to generation. That sometimes we're not necessarily aware of the implications that that it might have as we interact, uh, whether parenting, um, you know, or the roles that we play when we uh, caregive. Um, I think that uh, inherently um, we we have this desire around survival. I think it is innate, and I think that some of the survival um, mindset, uh, as far as a parent, and I'm looking for, for as parents or how I was parented, would have been to to be strong, and what a society deems as a strong black male. Um, Plus also to the advent, uh, growing up, I was always, you know, the conversation was always about being prepared and being twice as good and twice as strong. And just, Mm. you know, so the the idea of being strong, being capable, being invincible to some degree, um, you know, which I think is a burden that many carry or or probably still carry. Um, And I think with that burden, it wasn't about weakness. And I think going to what was mentioned before, I think that, you know, uh, showing emotion was always a sign of, of being weak. And I think that, that like you said, Ryan, showing the range of emotion and being able to experience it, um, you know, for many, maybe it would help to the, reduce the level of hypertension that we do <laughs> with, with all people. Ab- uh, <laughs> absolutely. I think absolutely. And, and I think I see that a lot in Baltimore. Um, it's like the only emotion that's permitted is anger. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's just anger. They can't, you can't be sad. You can't, you know, you can't be confused. The only one that's permitted, I see, is anger. And it's like that's, uh, that's the only permissible, permissible masculine emotion, you mm. know, in, certain, uh, in, in, in the black culture that I see. Um, you know, and that, that right there is just um, like not even – joy sometimes you know especially in certain certain urban places you can't be so happy or it's like what's wrong with you <laughs> you know like oh he's soft brought him you know what's fascinating sorry I just want to add to you oh, oh, what's fascinating oh, oh, oh. go ahead sorry I, 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 I didn't want to kind of wrap up though uh, I, one, oh, okay. one part that I was thinking about was um was Tennessee Coates has this this book called Between the World and Me and he talks about mm-hmm. like how black men suffer from a lack of power, you know, and mm-hmm. really being able to kind of gain that power. They 
go through certain things where it may look like affiliated with gangs, it may look like robbing, drug dealing, yeah. and in order to be able to to just be seen and acknowledged as a person of power, you know. So so I, yeah. I think like a lot of it operates from a place of I don't have enough power, so what can I do to maintain that power, you know? Yeah. Yeah, brothers, you said something, uh, Dennis, uh, you said something I really appreciate about this range of emotions and survival. And then uh, this yeah. is Michael. And, Victor, you just were talking about, the, you know, Tanhousey's coach work around between the world and me and this idea of the black body. And I'm just reminded of a story uh, when I was leading a, uh, a group of colleagues of mine, uh, mostly white colleagues, and one of them said, you know, Michael, I want to see you get angry. And so <laughs> in that moment, I'm the only black man in the room, like, only piece of chocolate, as I say, in the room. Uh, I said to them, and I had to think about what to say because, you know, the sense of survival, Dennis, that you talk about, do I want to tell you yeah. the truth, right? And I said, let me go there. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, um, I'm angry all the time. My wife doesn't want you to tell me that. I do it. I'm angry Lovely. all the time. However, uh, I don't need um, your permission to be angry. Mm. That's right. What I need mm. is I need some space. So uh, mm-hmm. if, if, if I get angry, you know, I say sometimes if I have a white colleague that gets angry and slams the table, oh, my gosh, he's a great leader. If I have a sister, a female a colleague who does a, they call her out her name. But if I get angry or if I show emotion, we're calling, we're calling the police. And so I said, Ooh. I need not permission, I need space, which means if I need space, that means you need to learn how to uh, encounter my emotion. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I just think about that survival yeah. is yeah. not only for people of African heritage or black men. It's, really, it's also for folks who engage us. And I think there's a, there's a dual responsibility for um, our tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we do end up spending a lot of time, you know, Michael, it was very, you know, gracious of you to take that and make it a teachable moment. But we, we find mm-hmm. ourselves often trying to educate others. Like you said, you, you know, telling them, this is what I need from you. Um, if, yeah. if, if it were anyone else, you would already engage them that way. You would you yeah. would make the assumption yeah. first that something's wrong, that's out of character, or that's you know something must have really been upsetting. Um, and you know, Michael, I dare say, if you were to slam your hand on the table, that that would precede you in every venue where you are. Everyone, um, you know, so yeah. you they would be, well, did you hear about the time he got upset? And you would never live that down because it was seen as the moment you lost control. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I've seen people who have intentionally slammed their hands down on a table for effect. And you, but trust me, you would never be given that 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 latitude um, to do that. Yeah. Well, well I, I, this is this is Dennis. Um, I think one of the things that um, interests me as we, we look at the title and we talk about um, black men and, and crime. Um, you know. Uh, I think that um, is very important, and I think in, in, in school and in research um, and in most of the programs I've been a part of, similar to what was mentioned, you know, it's, it's important 
that the diversity of, of character um, be associated. I mean, I think people sometimes look at uh, one dimension uh, that we all will act and feel yes. the same way. And I think it's, it's limited. And, um, and I think across the board, there's so many other factors that play in to how one uh, approaches it. Um, and I think that there, there's conversations that should be had. And as we look at, you know, this new generation and how they engage um, this, this notion around masculinity, around um, black masculinity, um, and look at the roles that, um, you know, gender and sexuality and sexual identity um, plays in this. Um, I think that it's, it's very complex. Um, you know, so when, when, when we talk, when we, when I think about this subject area, I think about so many things and the, and the, the impact that, it, it, that oftentimes each one of us unconsciously, because it's so much when you think about it, we actually, the complexity of our, our feelings and emotion, it's, it's hard to locate where we might be at any given one moment because of expectations of others opposed to what you're, felt, what you're feeling and, you know, and trying to negotiate your own really true sense of self. Because, I, I, you know, as, as a black male, I think that I'm constantly searching to find you know, where I, re, who I really am, um, you know, which I think is, is like a moving piece. Um, but in a, when I say who I really am and who I really am in the context of society, because I think, you know, there's many different projections about the expectations of who I should be yeah. and yeah. how I show up. Um, I find, Welcome. you know, that we're constantly negotiating people's expectations similar to wanting to see you be, be uh, angry, there's an expectation that people have that you should have um, in different spaces, which I find it, it, it's, it's, it's work, you know, and I think as, as a black male, you, 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 you tend to be working harder in trying to negotiate your emotions within many facets that, that uh, I think that uh, you're a part of. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that. I love that that fact that we're always negotiating ourselves and, and kind of finding out the right way to respond, um, like innately. So in, in now in this certain current time, I I find it interesting and and, and almost kind of relieving how how artists like um um what's the guy that did it? Donald Glover like Donald Glover. Um, yes, you know, have this space of like, kind of like this blur, like black nerd ish kind of character that just that's a little bit on the feminine side, and it's okay. Yes, like he can he can just do, he can show, he can be vulnerable, he can, you know. So, so I think being solution oriented, like really having um, media that shows the full range of black men being yes. able to be yes. with their emotions. Yeah, you, you yes. know, and, and 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 even though you can see, you know, you may see moments of complexity on his face, you know, he may be like, mm, that makes me, but I'm not, I'm gonna make a good response decision to the way I feel, and maybe walk away, you know, like I don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so like really being able to to accept, digest, and respond 
and, and be able to yeah. show that spectrum, I think, is huge. And, and, and that's what that's what I really kind of see starting to happen more with the youth, especially yeah. with the yeah. uh, LBGTQ. It's like, okay, everybody's kind of doing whatever right now. So, you know, all of you have brought up um, the the topic of response and and I think that's something that I walk away with today is contemplating um, where do we learn to respond and how to respond um, because mm. even in some situations uh, we respond unemotionally because in most cases um, we have been required to to exercise restraint in 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 our response to things you know i've i've recently seen like recordings of people you know you think about uh um people have historically called grown men boy and yeah. we've had yeah. to be, we've had to be we've had to be restrained and you know i i some of the researchers here at my university have also talked about you know kind of cellular uh memory um, that these are things that have yes. been passed down to us um, through many, many years. You know, um, I was um, I was um, probably well into my 30s, and I was having dinner. Um, well, actually, it was lunch. Um, my mother and father would go um, when I would come home to visit. We'd go out and have dinner and or lunch on a Saturday. And there was this one day we were just talking and my mother just said, matter of factly, they used, they also used to call my, my dad Perkins. So she said, uh, Perkins, tell Brian about that time they took your car. And I looked at him and I was like, what, what is this? What are you talking about? My dad never really told me about many of the stories of the things that happened, you know, uh, in the, in the fifties and sixties. And, and so, um, lo and behold, when he came out of the army uh, after World War II, um, he bought himself a, uh, a Buick, and this was in uh, rural Alabama. And and so um, he was driving the car; it was a new car, and uh, the police took it and told him mm-hmm. that um, uh, 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 a nigga didn't deserve to have a car that night. And he he never got the car back and he still had the, you know, the, the payment due on the car. Now that was something he never mentioned to me, but even in that moment, but I guess, you know, I just marvel at how they were able to rem- you know, be restrained. I'd still be acting a fool about it. <laughs> <laughs> laid out. Yeah. I laid out. You know, I was just going to say, he was just kind of matter-of-factly, yeah, that's the kind of stuff they did. Wow. Man. Oh, my. I had I had a, a situation where I was doing some, some work at somebody's house uh, way back in the day. I was, I was doing like a little – I was working with a plumber or whatever. And um, and I had to go. It was a new. It was a um, a used house where we were, you know, going in and out, like fixing some stuff from for my buddy who was a real uh, in the real estate who I used to go to be in real estate with. And um, you know, I guess the neighbors next door must have called the police because the police came with guns drawn, you know. And I had to mm-hmm. like crawl out on my belly, you know, from the door, you know, as they're pointing guns at the house. And you know, I'm and 
as soon as I was able to get up and, and they realized that I was supposed to be there, I cussed everybody out. <laughs> like, you, yeah. and you and these weak neighbors over there, they need to take that somewhere else. <laughs> I was, oh, no, I'm yeah. not that. I'm not that reserved. I'm not, oh, my gosh, as soon as the, the, the death threat was gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. For me. I'm not, well, yeah. Mm-mm. Well, you know, um, so, you know, kind of the first thing, I thank you all for contributing to, you know, uh, talking about the, you know, just kind of emotion and responding to what Shaq said. For those of you who may have just tuned in, I have uh, three um, uh, black men with me today who um, is, they are all contributing um, in a in a very major way to a conversation on the topic black men don't cry. Um, you you're tuned in to the Perkins platform celebrating 10 years uh, this week. And and so now I want to I want to kind of pivot a little bit, and on still on the topic of of emotion, but a little a twist to this um, in the area of you know relationships, uh, particularly mm-hmm. romantic relationships, being able to show emotion in romantic relationships. And so there's a show I think it's on ABC. Some of you are familiar with Blackish, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there are characters on the show um, that you know deal with a lot of complicated black issues. And so on this clip, what you're going to hear, you're going to hear the main character Anthony Anderson um, share about uh, a breakup that his dad had, and um, there's a white man at the table discussing this with him and some other friends. And um, and and so the white man has a perspective about what he what he thinks his dad is doing um, in the middle of having a breakup with his girlfriend. So listen in here with me. This is just a um, uh, less than two minute clip of a scene from Blackish. Oh, oh, Dre, what's going on? Let me guess. You were not fast enough to buy a sneaker with a 600 percent markup. It's 800 percent. Ooh. All right, and Bo is mad at how my father is handling his breakup. How is he handling it? If it's anything like I do, he's having a good old-fashioned cry. What? You know, just letting it all out in a bathroom or in a Kia Sorento park near a beach. Okay, my father is not going to cry. Black men do not get emotional in public. Michael Jordan cried once, and it's a meme. It's true. When my mom passed, my dad was so afraid of someone seeing him cry that he had his tear ducts removed. Yeah, well, when it gets real cold, he bleeds from his eyes now. Mm. Still, better than crying. Word. Denzel Washington is one of the best actors that we ever had. And in glory, he was only able to drum up one tear. Now, if my calculations serve me correctly, he should be able to do a second tear in 2033. 33? So if you can't cry, how do black men deal with their problems? Ah, if I may. No. Nope. Black men deal with their problems one of two ways. Fight or flight. Mascot in your face? Fight. God does magic in the hood around you and a bunch of black guys and you don't understand what he's doing. You probably think he's in the cold or something. Flight. You know, Pops is cool. Right, he just needs to party to get it out of his system and then he'll be back to normal. So what you're saying is that partying is the black man equivalent of crying. Well, it's also how they express fear, relief, hopelessness, and hunger. But in this instance, yes. Crying. And how many nights a week is your dad partying? Not a lot. Seven? Oh, Dre. It sounds like your dad is crying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
respond. Oh, man. That's a great clip, man. That was, you really did some you did some great homework. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good job. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> this, this, uh, this is Dennis. Uh, this, this conjures up a, a lot of different thoughts. Um, uh, recently, I had to, uh, you know, I gave an award to, to my wife, um, and I teach martial arts, so I gave an award. And, uh, you know, and I'm just speaking about her contribution, what she means to me in, in the work. And, you know, I got quite emotional about that. Um, and I was totally perplexed about this emotion. It just came from nowhere. Um, but I, but I recognize the emotion. I recognize the feeling. And, and afterwards, you know, I thought about it and, and, and thought about me, especially, you know, teaching martial arts and being a martial art instructor, you know, in the room crying and all the students and families. And I, I was perplexed with that. <laughs> so I think about, you know, you, you, this notion of how, you know, the black male, you know, showing emotion i wouldn't say i mean I, let's, let me rephrase that it's not necessarily showing emotion showing the the vulnerable side of the, the emotion that, that that crying um brings that touches something that's deep inside um uh it, it, it's something not necessarily readily apparent that you're aware that you you have for some um and i'm sure i don't want to be um say that everybody is this way. Um, I know I particularly probably was, was raised this way. Um, but it was a complex feeling and a complex emotion to to experience and go through. So mm-hmm. I could only, and, and as I reflect on it right now, I, I think that um, when I spoke to my wife about, actually my, my, my daughter, I was speaking to my daughter afterwards about it, and she was like, that was great, Dad. <laughs> and I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I was so perplexed. Of, what do you mean, great? <laughs> you know, but I, I but I think that in in hindsight, as I reflect, and you know, I spent a few days reflecting on it, and I I didn't necessarily realize, you know, sometimes we don't realize the things that the baggages or the things that we carry, that oftentimes hinder us um, from really experiencing um, the full range of our our emotion and what we bring, not just to to our activities, but what we actually feel day to day. And for that moment, um, I was there. I mean, so when I hear this clip, you know, it's just a reminder of, of some of those artifacts that we, we carry that sometimes limit us. And, uh, you know, and sometimes as you engage others, it, uh, it's, it's to be able to, as you try to speak or negotiate their life, their circumstance, is to be able to create space that that it would be acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, Dennis. Uh, this is Michael. As you're sharing that, it, it hits me as a as a young father and also a husband, just kind of thinking about the idea of space and place. And when we look, yeah. we kind of go back to the original clip of Shaq sharing, where we have to realize what what do people what do people bring into the room with them? And I talk a lot about yeah. what's in your cultural wallet. And so, yeah. you know, we're all three, four black men, you know, thank God we have been fortunate to have some level of success. Um, different people, do you remember the TV show, Different Strokes? And so, like, everybody yes, yes, yes. has a different stroke. Mm-hmm. And how do we, with grace, say, I need some space. 
and also a place. Like for me, I'm a very emotional man. However, uh, as a DEI professional, I wasn't really emotional until probably eight years into my work when I discovered emotional intelligence and how emotional intelligence is data. And so now um, uh, I have space and also in the places that I also place. So there are some spaces and places where I can go, I can use that emotion, and it allows me to be more. And at the sum, and there's also instances where I might not have the space or place to use that. And I think we, yeah. uh, as black men, have to understand the nuance of where, when emotions are going to be able to allow you to be more of your full self and when they aren't. And that's the complexity yeah. of that. So it, it just brings to me this idea, a notion of space and place. Yeah, but you know, I'm going to force us to tackle that elephant in the room about this particular clip, though, is about um, how his father would deal, not generally emotionally, but specifically. Remember, this was about a breakup. So, you know, talking about relationships and um, whether or not it is something that's okay to dem- demonstrate so he's like um rather than rather than do what would be easy you know he's saying no he would never do that but this was about specifically a relationship so i want us to to really let, let's speak to I can um, speak. the romantic realm of of emotion Okay, um, I, I think um, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier on this notion of invincibility, you know, and, and the whole Superman complex. And, and I think when we allow ourselves to become vulnerable enough to the point that we become emotional, if, if something goes awry with that vulnerability, I think really letting somebody know that you've reached that point, you are you made them to that point of vulnerability can really bring men to some dark, dark places. And and I think that can look like a myriad of things. Like, like, you know, uh, once again, a lot of men are like the only acceptable emotion is anger, you know? So when they get upset because they've been vulnerable and they feel like their vulnerability has been violated, that can turn to violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I think there's a, um, you know, instead of being able to just be able to, to, to process it in a healthier way, um, you know, like I think, you know, crying um, personally, you know, um, if something, if somebody did break my heart and I wanted to cry, I, I would not be seen crying. That's just, like, I would not, unless it's somebody like a family member or something like that, I would not feel comfortable exposing that level of vulnerability. Crying <laughs> makes me feel vulnerable. <laughs> it does, um. and that's an honest truth. And Mike, you were talking about you talking about the place. Like I need a safe place for me to fully yeah. process and express my emotions. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. yeah, and and Doc Perkins, mm-hmm. one of the you you pushing us. I think this is Michael. I appreciate you pushing us. Uh, and as I'm listening to Victor talk, I think about my own boys. And again, this is in a relational, a romantic space. I think it's important to show that emotion. And I realized that I've had some, I've been, I don't know if it's fortunate or, or just had the space in place to realize that when I'm emotional in emotional moments of heartbreak or, or, or joy, that, that there's, there's some element of healing in that. 
And I had a colleague, uh, I used to work in independent schools, and one brother said, and I, I can't uh, quote, I can't, I don't remember the brother that said it, but he said, there's nothing sweeter than the nectar of a black man's tears. There's nothing sweeter than the nectar of a black man's tears. And so when I think about in romantic uh, uh, senses, Doc, I, I think it's important for my boys to see me cry because they can they get to ask me, well, what's going on there? It's important for my queen to see me cry, not every time, not all the time, but yeah. for us to begin to go, what's behind those tears? And sometimes in my work I'll say, well, if those tears were to speak, what would they say? So I'm a proponent of uh, using emotion in those situations because I'm using it as a source of liberation, right? So, yeah. and I'll step back and hit Brother Dennis or, or Victor in a second. I think if I use my emotion and emo in relational experiences or any other, that I, sometimes you can be mad and, and open up a can on somebody, but you can also be uh, have emotion and feel great depth. So, I think as black men, we uh-huh. have to have that back to that place and space. I think that's really important. Well, this is Dennis. You know, as I hear you and I, and I, I'm thinking about um, the dynamic of of, of the skill sets. I, I, you, you talk about anger and and feeling range of emotion, um, because I mean, there's a range of emotion that one might feel beyond crying or beyond beyond being angry. You know, there's so many different types. The question is about the skill set to one be able to kind of diagnose or just even to try to connect mm. to it. I mean, I think that you're, 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 you know, you're talking about a history. As we go back to Shaq and we look at, you talk about emotion and having the ability through a lived and life experience to be able to identify and recognize. So I think that this the dichotomous feeling between anger and crime. It's, it's almost like there's no space in between for uh. other things, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's so many, there's sadness, there's joy, there's so much there. But the question is, can you identify it and, and be able to kind of be in that, you know. I mean, what does that look uh. like when you might not necessarily, you couldn't be that child who, who got those skills, that now you're in a relationship. and uh, then, Come on, then. You're in a relationship that there's an expectation because then you're, you know, and if it's a heterosexual or it's a relationship, I, I don't want to label heterosexual, but it's in a relationship where the other partner has a greater capacity to be able to engage in emotion. Mm-hmm. And you're in that relationship, then how does one engage or create space, you know, to be able to kind of engage that partner who has a greater flexibility of recognition? Man, where I, I, the I, other I, might might have ahead, a harder ahead. time, and I think I think when we when we look at you know the rate of divorce and 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 look at what's taking place in our black community and incarceration and so much that's taking place, it really speaks to such a a, a big picture about the dynamic of 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 of, of emotion and negotiating emotion in the relationship or as time goes on, you know. So many people talk about the, the notion around the economy and money and, and, you know, this notion about being a provider, being a protect, protector, and, you know, all that comes with that and, and being able to kind of still engage. Um, it, it's, it's complex. It's complex. And, and I, you know, I, you know, when I think about in a relationship, it, it's, 
you have to have that capacity, and and I think you have to be willing to 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 grow, and be willing to to kind of have a partner to help you grow, and and you know we 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 can't we can't you know the notion of a black male being uh, isolated. Uh, in their own feelings, it, it has to be in relationship to the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, I think that's that wonderful place. That's a, this should always be that safe place with somebody that you consider your partner. Like, yeah, that should be the safe place. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you know, that, that safe place we we talk about is it's a difficult uh, spot to cultivate because. Mm, you know, it needs to be cultivated. It, That's a good point. Because yeah, you know, yeah. some women are, have some women have the same kind of upbringing where it's like don't show emotions or, or men that show emotions are weak or something like that. So yeah, they might yeah. not even give space for a man to to create that safety. Yeah, and and, yeah. and, and or, expose or that know, vulnerability. Or know how to respond or receive it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, now, that's that skill set that Dennis was talking about. That's a skill this set. Is mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I was speaking to my son the other day, and my son, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about dating. And uh, we were talking about a young man that was having difficulty uh, dating. And he said to me, he said, Dad, you know, um, you know, a lot more women are, 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 are more, and his terminology, and I use his terminology, he said a lot more women are, are a lot more masculine in their in their approach to the to to the relationship, so they don't want a a soft guy. And I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I was listening to him talk about this, and I, you know, I was just like, "Whoa!" You know, blown away. So he said that mm-hmm. women are a lot stronger, and he started talking about you know the role of women and how women are more recognized, mm-hmm. capability. And as women, as women become stronger, so we started this conversation as women become stronger. Is there space for the man to stand beside her with, with, with the, you know, and it, it evolved. The conversation evolved, but it was it was interesting that he termed, you know, women becoming um, much stronger in their demand. And I don't think it's unique to his experience or this time, but uh, it was just fascinating his his connection or reflection of what he perceived that young man was going through. Dennis, this is Michael. Uh, something that you said that touches on some work that Victor and I have been doing through Emotional Intelligence Network, this idea of knowing yourself, choosing yourself, and giving yourself. Knowing, choosing, and giving. And so the knowing, uh, I think this this model that Six Seconds uses helps to humanize. It's helped to humanize um, yeah. more me. It's added to the humanization process because when I'm saying I know myself, I get to ask that question that the young man asked. Is there space? Okay, so what do I need to know about myself? As someone else is growing, I need to also grow, which really talks about how do we cultivate that understanding, how do we cultivate that skill set. So the know is about an awareness. The choose is about what options do I have? Because the young man said, yeah. is there space? So where, what space do I want? What space do I want to be in community with? That's the choose. And then the last piece is give. Give is like what do I really want out of this situation. So the no choose give is powerful. And I want to ask, um, Victor, you said something a little bit ago that I just, I fell in love with it. And you said, uh, uh, accept, digest, and respond. And so would you just kind of talk a little bit about that, kind of that no choose give, and is it 
space, how do you use that accept, digest, and respond? Because I want to take that. I might have to pay you in Bitcoin for that comment. Talk a little <laughs> bit about the accept, digest, and respond. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime, um, and this this is this is from the six seconds training also, and I'm also from the landmark training. But but a lot of times, um, you know, things happen, and things that happen, you know, we can we can ascribe any kind of meaning to them that we want to, you know, but, but really uh, being able to just accept things um, for whatever they are um, flat, you know, in a pragmatic kind of way, you know, and then, then really whatever kind of emotions um, come up with that or, or different stories that you may have kind of conjugating um, around that, really being able to digest and put a, a logical understanding around it. Uh, to, 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 to gain more more insight and depend upon how where you land after after this digestion process then being able to to um, to respond cor- correctly you know and, and respond the way that most serves who you know yourself to be mm. so so really being That's able to 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 know yourself <laughs> like I said the know the knowing know knowing yourself knowing your space knowing the situation and, and being able to to use that as a guide to make the the optimal decision um, on how you're going to respond is important. And thanks for hitting that again. Mm-hmm. No problem. Thank you for uh, picking that well, up. <laughs> well, 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 Victor, I'd like to probably um, to to probably ask you a question in relation to that. I think that the challenge as we look at this whole topic, that knowing yourself, that is, I guess, that's the the work um, that needs to take that place. Really, that is the work. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's at the top of the man's little hierarchy of need because it's something to aspire to. Yeah, it's not a yeah. low lying fruit. You know, like, knowing yourself is 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 something that takes work and takes deprogramming. You know, so. Mm. But, I'm sorry. So, so how can we? How can we, um, as, as as professionals, as we work with young people, help cultivate a space? where young people can start to delve more inward to kind of know, I mean, does the world become more complex? I think that's the, the challenge in this complexity right now, I mean, that's taking place. Is that how can young people find that space to really learn or, or be willing to step out of their comfort zone to really learn about themselves? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, for, 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 for me, my and this this may seem a little i guess kind of a uh, kind of left but meditation to me was huge for that personally yeah, and yeah. and i also teach teach youth that because really turning away from external stimuli is yes. where you're going to be able to find out more about yourself and yes. and there's so much external distractions now with of course social media and you know you got netflix you got any kind of you got you got you know, you can have any kind of TV you want on demand. You got YouTube. So it's a lot of things to pull us outside of who we are. But being able to to not engage in that and also um, spend time in nature because, um, you know, nature has an ancient vibratory frequency um, that can really get us back to our original state, you know, and, and, and who we are. So anytime I'm feeling emotionally erratic, I go to nature <laughs> and I, I deliberately breathe into the ground 
and you know, and I I also breed up the the mm, the, yes, the, yes. the frequency from the ground in order yes. to be able to stabilize my own energy because we are energetic beings, you know, and grounding is something that every electronical source needs, yes. <laughs> you know, you, mm-hmm. every battery, everything, you know. So um, so 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 I I think really being able to to to, to kind of give some you know metaphysical tools that have that have been great you know that are that are like proven to to be able to reduce stress reduce you know negative yeah. emotions and um mm-hmm. you know different things like that is 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 huge and and, and once again it's is really kind of kind of painting a picture of the imbalance that overindulging in social media can can provide yeah. you know yeah. everybody yeah. has to take care of themselves let me. This is Michael. Let me throw this in there. Uh, I think this is powerful. Just thinking about countering the narrative. So you said, what can mm-hmm. we do to cultivate this space? So if I'm a kid in the city or a small town, brother trying to get some support, I really appreciate what um, Dr. Perkins has done with the Perkins platform, because what we've done is we've taken something we've seen in media and we've offered counter narratives without destroying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think what we have learned to do, a slave narrative says, well, let's talk. Get on here and. Talk, talk shack down. And so I know right. that's not who yeah. Dr. Perkins is. That's why I didn't mind coming yeah. on. We're saying if we're going to cultivate this, let's offer some other narratives. So we have to counter the mm. narrative and say, okay, uh, one of the things that made me really a little bit frustrated uh, when I was listening to the clip, uh, I saw someone says, it says in a kind of a weird voice, when you're as responsible and tough as Shaq, you don't have time to feel emotions. And so the stereotypical <laughs> voice is a voice in my, in my life experience of a white person uh, and so it's kind of putting that on, let's tear Shaq down. What I think we've done is we have countered the narrative because we're not saying this is who he should be. We're saying how do we mm-hmm. cultivate other narratives other as narratives, we as black yes. men are crying. Right. So I, I think you should cultivate that. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. So to cultivate, yeah. humanize, and build capacity, doing things like this is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I just Amen. got a – um, a um, uh, message from one of our listeners that I think is uh, uh, appropriate to insert at this time was a question um, for us from a, um, a listener in New York City um, who says, how do we increase psychological safety for black men? Hmm. Hmm. Psychological I, I think, safety. Uh, I, I think, um, and Dennis, um, I think it first starts with the, the, the immediate family. Um, you know, I think that, um, one, I think what was mentioned before, this notion around recognition, um, recognition um, not only from the individual but family, but being able to, mm. to, to have a social support that, that's able to start with a small nucleus where mm. you can cultivate a space that's safe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being able to, you know, with the disappearing of the of the village, I know it's a lot more complex, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you know, it's it's important. You know, we we talk about this safe space, and one of the things that is important to me um, is trying to find ways in in order to kind of get this work done that's mm-hmm. practical, realistic, but it might be, um, I have this approach that I always call the drip approach, but it, it, it starts with a, just a, a minute um, 
effect or, or minute action. And oftentimes it's being involved in relationships where someone can actually just start a conversation or to spark an, an, an idea or interest or a concern. But I really, you know, think the family unit for myself is a place where I think that, that safety should be and hopefully we should be cultivated. Now, now that said, um, we already know the literature and the challenges um, that so many families already face. Um, so I think that it, it, that might extend to uh, the support system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Michael. Well, I'm sorry, Dennis. Um, one way that I think, so I, I absolutely agree at the family level, and I wonder with folks who have a reach, like folks like us, how do we make sure that at the institutional level those leaders are understanding the climate that needs to to be in place like that space and place, we need that space yeah. and place in uh, put in place for leaders. And a lot of the I work in, in predominantly white spaces, and when I'm working with leaders, I'm saying, how do we bring our full selves? Not just me, yeah. but how do we create that environment? So to create psychological safety, we need those who are in spaces like the ones that we're in to step out and voice that. Because I think, uh, for example, you know, having a platform like this this evening, this is reaching thousands of people. Right, and so we yeah. need to be doing that as well as with our boys uh, and our civic and religious organizations. Kind of the the re, uh, this is the wrong word, but I'll use the rehabilitation uh, of black mm, men. Yeah. Is we need to get together because Doc, you brought us together. I I knew Victor, but I didn't mm-hmm. know Dennis. And so what mm-hmm. we've done, yeah. mm-hmm. we've been able to start to cultivate that level of psychological safety because we've said things tonight yeah. that maybe we haven't said. I mean, we don't know each other, but now we know each other more. And so I think mm-hmm. doing the exactly. small pieces as well as the systemic pieces are important. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I'd add to that, yeah. uh, being strategic, being strategic. Mm-hmm. It's very important to be strategic. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I, I, I did this this men's program, like a Sterling Men's Weekend or whatever. Uh, the thing, you know, it's this, this thing of masculinity, this, 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 uh, this process and, and um, you know, kind of group. And, and afterwards, we kind of, broke down into cohorts based upon our geographical location where we'd have these men's meeting like once a week to be able to really just like unpack, strategize and mm-hmm. and go forth and be be the men that we were supposed to be, you know, and show up powerfully, uh, consistently and, and had a group that, that held us accountable to that. So I, I think really mm-hmm. having getting in in men's groups and men's circles is important, and I, I know some a lot of people, a lot of people strangely don't go to church anymore, uh, especially mm-hmm. post pandemic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, if you can if you can find a, a space or even create a space where where men get together and and just have conversations and, and are able to kind of kind of mask off and you know could that that become a place of a safe place, even if you if you you know if you don't have that woman, you want to be able to. You know, you want to be able to, 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 to bring that, share that with men that aren't going to deem you um, weak for displaying emotions or, you know, or confused or whatever and just uh, allow you to, to be and, in, in, you know, in, to build and construct uh, a, the the most concrete, well-rounded individual as possible with these spaces I think would be important. Sure, sure. 
Well, you know, um, thank you all for everything and contributing in this way. You know, we've already gone over our hour, and oh, yeah. I, I, I allocated the time, the extra time, not knowing how long it would be, but I knew full well how powerful this conversation would be. And so I gave us more time on the one end. And I, um, if you don't mind, I'd like us to continue. I have one more clip that I want to share and and have you respond to, because as I found this one, um, it brought up kind of a third aspect of emotion to me. You know, we've we've been talking about how much of this is learned behavior. And in some cases, you know, we have um, people who um, have um, had fathers in their household and um, relationships were in, you know, a range of ways. And there were others that had fathers that lived outside and others that had fathers that were deceased. They never knew their fathers and others. Fathers were out there somewhere. Um, and And so... This next aspect that I want us to touch on um, may be, you know, very sensitive for some, um, but I think we would be remiss not to um, to hit upon this. And this is really about um, the relationships, and we've hit just a little bit, touched just the surface about the relationship of black men with their fathers and or the lack thereof. And um, so it's something that happens uh, a lot in our black community where, you know, we, you know, we talk a lot about deadbeat dads, um, about things that are, are, are negative. And, I, you know, I want to give us an opportunity to also um, rewrite the narrative there about other experiences we've had. And so this next clip is going to come from, uh, a scene in the movie Fences, and you probably uh, oh, some of you may have seen it. It's with uh, Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. And um, so, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, and I, I will um, just do this uh, disclosure: there's a trigger warning. I want to say that there's profanity in this next clip and uh, racially charged language. So. Um, if you are particularly sensitive, you might want to tune out at this point. But for those of you who decide to stay, um, so in Fences, this is an interaction outside between Denzel Washington and his son um, working outside. And so listen uh, along with me. Can I ask you a question? What the hell you got to ask me? Mr. Stewiggy, the one you got the questions for. How come you ain't never liked me? Like you? Who the hell said I got to like you? What law is there say I got to like you? Want to stand up in front of my face and ask a damn fool-ass question like that? Talking about liking somebody. Come here, boy, when I talk to you. Straighten up, goddammit. I asked you a question. What law is there say I got to like you? None. All right, then. Don't you eat every day? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't you eat every day? Yeah. Nigga, as long as you're in my house, you put a sir on the end of it when you talk to me. Yes, sir. You eat every day. Yes, sir. Got a roof over your head. Yes, sir. Got clothes on your back. Yes, sir. Why you think that is? Because of you. <laughs> Hell, I know it's because of me. But why do you think that is? Because you like me? Like you. I go out of here every morning. 
I bust my butt putting up with them crackers every day because I like you. You're about the biggest fool I ever saw. It's my job. It's my responsibility. A man is supposed to take care of his family. You live in my house, fill your belly with my food, put your behind on my bed because you're my son. Because I like you, because it's my duty to take care of you. I owe a responsibility to you. Now, let's get this straight right here now before I go along any further. I ain't got to like you. Mr. Rand don't give me my money. Come pay day because he like me. He give it to me because he owe me. Now, I don't give you everything I got to give you. I give you your life. Me and your mama worked that out. Between us and liking your black ass wasn't part of the bargain. Now, don't you go through life worrying about whether somebody like you or not. You best be making sure they're doing right by you. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, then get the hell out of my face and get on down to that A&P. So... <laughs> For me, when I saw that, and, you know, this is radio, so, you know, you 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 really don't see it except in your mind if you've not seen the, the movie. But it is so moving. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I saw it, for the first time, I held my breath, hoping, just hoping that he would say, I love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you think, why do you think it is so difficult for black men to say, I love you to one another? Now, now this is, you know, this is father and son. And so I do want to talk about that, but it is something that a lot of black men don't do. You know, they they're they're no no problems with romantic kind of love. And and even sometimes expressing that. But in this case, made sure to tell him that it was his job. Your thoughts? Doc, this is Michael. Um, as I listen to the clip and I listen to your reflection, I'm reminded of my my father, who's still alive, 75 years old. He's he's the king. He reminds me that I'm his prince, um, and he also reminds me that his father worked at the Domino Sugar Factory as a janitor. He couldn't he couldn't uh, read, but he always wore a suit, and he always looked sharp, like he was going somewhere, and his ability in those times to communicate love was that wasn't a part of the system. You went to work to do what you had to do so you could provide so people could live. And part of the, the changing of the narrative is us realizing that we talk about this theme of space and place. Uh, to the dis- My heart is, is, is heavy because our forefathers and mothers couldn't engage that way as a human being. And so they lost parts of themselves. So I think, why is it difficult? Because the systems that we've been a part of have said, you don't have the time to do that. You just do a job. 
And so we have mm-hmm. lost part of our humanity, and by losing humanity, we lose some of those important words. Mm, that's mm, that's a good that's a good phrase. We've been so obligated mm-hmm. to our responsibility that we've lost our humanity. And think about how that 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 goes with slavery. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yikes! So obligated that we lose our humanity. Wow. And I see that. My my dad my dad. He's like 72, and I probably, man, I can probably, you know, I think he even told me I love me like 20 times in my life. <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, I know he does. And even after we we have phone conversation, there'll be this space where it's like he wants to put I love you in it, and he'll just be like, rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> <laughs> and like, mumble, I'm like, I love you, man. <laughs> it's cool, <laughs> you know. But, uh, it, it, you know, I think, um. I think in, in just kind of knowing more, we, we, we've grown more, and, and just being able to get out of that that traumatic place of over-obligation to the point that we lose our humanity is, is important. And being, being the solution that we want to see out in, out in spaces, you know, like I, I tell my friends, I love them all the time, you know? Yeah, and yeah. you know we could be out at the bar and be like, "Hey, I love you, bro, man. I haven't seen you a long time, man. It's good to see you." Like, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it it, it helps. To well, you know, it's funny you say culture. that about um, you know, uh, being with your brothers. Um, you know, I, one of my my fraternity brothers um, got into the biggest argument with a group of other fraternity brothers, and he told me he said he said in front of them, he's like, "You're the only person." that will tell me you love me. He said, the rest of these fools, I tell them every time we get off of the phone, and they they just kind of say, okay, well, all right, talk to you later. And he, I mean, he was, he was so, so upset. And they were like, what is wrong with you? But he was so upset. I guess he had reached, you know, his point of uh, he couldn't take it anymore. But I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm thankful you know, in reflection uh, that, you know, I my father early on used to just always tell me, I love you, I love you, you know, like every time and and then wouldn't let me, you know, wouldn't let me uh, pass without saying it. You know, I had like, you know, excuse me, what did you say? You know, but also <laughs> just kind of the affection that um, I've I've talked to, you know, uh, colleagues or what have you, and some of my um, black brothers who have been in my presence, and I might mention something that my dad would say, and he would say, they say things, I've had uh, black men say things to me, I've heard you mention on a few occasions things about your dad. What was that like? Mm. <laughs> you know, they say, just I, I had this one colleague who looked at me just in in wonder. I like what you know. You you've mentioned that you know he hugged you and you remember what that was like and like so. Tell me more about that. And and so as a result, I mean you know, um, Victor, you've you've mentioned that you are able to you know you you had a deep sense of knowing that your father loved you, even Absolutely. though it, it might not have been expressed. Um, mm-hmm. And so in in return, you've also been able to express it to your children. But I would imagine mm-hmm. that not without some work. 
Yeah, I, I have mm-hmm. to do work. I, I think I think really learning about the love languages, you know, and how different people said I love you without saying I love you was important for me. And and when I realized that, you know, the way he worked, um, the way he, you know, uh, helped find solutions when I was in my youth, <laughs> the different things that would come up, you know what I'm saying? Like that was, that was his I love you, you know. And, and, and men – Men tend to be, you know, this is an absolute, you know, of course not, but but men tend to be more pragmatic in show me than yeah. tell me. Yeah. You know, so so I understood like him him telling me I love you, and and I also realized when I was younger, you know, we'd go fishing every now and then, but he he'd ask me to go fishing with him a lot, and that was kind of his way of being like I love you, I want to spend time with you. And yeah, yeah, and I I didn't pick up on that. I didn't know that that's what he was saying. I was like, I don't want to fish. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I that's cool, but I don't like fishing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm probably like semi stabbing him in the heart, and not even knowing it. Um, yeah, just yeah. because that was you know he you know he didn't he wouldn't he's not a, he's not a big communicator. He's a big doer. My dad is very action oriented. Well, he's a good, good man. You know. Well, well, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, this is Dennis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I first heard the clip, you know, I, I get three three different things entered my mind, and one of them was this notion around um, being a doer. And I think mm-hmm. growing up with the complexity around just emotions in general, I think that um, the value of someone really showing up because I think that part of it was that, you know, if you have someone that's showing up and doing, because for so many people who just didn't have someone actually showing up, showing up became this notion of, of, of love, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't necessarily totally articulated. But I also the piece that came up for me was also uh, time. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I think at, at, at this stage, and my father, who's much older now, um, he's able to kind of connect to his emotion and reflect it in a different way, say mm-hmm. maybe 10, 20 years ago, um, that he didn't articulate it, but you understood it. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting how even for myself and my own relationship with my son, how, you know, uh, you know I have – my communication with my daughter is a different is different mm-hmm. um, because there's an expectation um, almost as if you know there's there's more engagement around the emotion and feeling or, or the desire but you know which mm-hmm. I I do my best not necessarily to to sit in but to to, to engage through dialogue and so forth like I think that you know for myself you know understanding this notion of um, uh, of reflection around emotion, about expression, um, and about doing. I, I think that for myself, so many people I, I would hear say it uh, loosely. So I know for myself, growing up, you know, I hear people always get off the phone and they say, "I, I love you," and I'm like, "No, that's not right." <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, um, in conversation, it is said that. It's said in a way, to some degree, 
and I hate to say this, but I, I think in some degree uh, um, it's almost devalued. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's so to a point. I I I appreciated, you know, my my father actually being in the space in my life by doing and the, the, his uh, articulation of how he feels about me in connection with what he has done in my life. And as I reflect on all that he has done and the support that he is providing and always being there, um, just has so much value. Not to say that, that, you know, having someone articulating it all the time and saying, I love you, is not impactful. I don't want to say that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that um, it's important, um, you know, and I guess how I was raised, it's important that it came with, with a true deep uh, sentiment and feeling behind it beyond just just the words itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can agree more. Yeah. Well, listen, um, you know, I hate to bring this to a close. I'm I'm getting all <laughs> kinds of messages. The the switchboard is lit up like a Christmas tree and I right, you know right. can't is even one thing to say. Is yeah. there one other thing to say before we go? Yes. I really I really think it's important before we go just to touch on the fact that um in many relationships, you know, many households, women are the only um the sole provider, the sole the the, the father and the mother. And I think that um you know, I've I've read a lot of articles and I've I've engaged because I work with a lot of families, um, I deal with a lot of mothers who, you know, they come in and they say, you know, you are the man in my child's life. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, there's always this conversation that, that it, women can't raise a man. Um, mm. and, and, and a man needs to raise a man. And, and you know, I, I, I think at some point, maybe for a future conversation, <laughs> that's something that probably needs to be explored because I think that, um, you know, there's so much that, that uh, we talk about emotion and we talk about the, the, that, that duality, that, that, that male, female, masculine, feminine um, role around emotion and, and engagement that comes with our historical artifacts. And I think that it's important to understand the, the, the dynamic, you know. Um, so I just wanted to say that um, yeah, because I think yeah. it's important as we, as, we, as we talk about it now um, as far as father and, and, and son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's like a whole hour right there. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, we're we're closing in on ninety minutes, and you know, uh, my generally um, the the Perkins platform is in thirty minute bites, and I, you know, I knew that we would uh, be over, and I know there are a lot of people still with us. My apologies to everyone who dialed in and you know, wanted to get on and say a few words, but, you know, really the, the, this conversation is one that I'm really glad, you know, around this, you know, kind of uh, this uh, uh, living room table uh, that we had um, was really powerful. And I, I want to thank all of you uh, for what your contribution has been. And I think, you know, there are people that are listening uh, that have, have written in already talking about how valuable it was and a range of, of, of comments. And so I'm so appreciative to you, my brothers that are um, on this call with me and 
um, I'm sure you've added also to the lives of a lot of other people. And so um, I am looking forward to um, our continued relationship. And uh, who knows, uh, there may be an occasion into the future that we uh, we have to come together here on Perkins Platform. And so thank you for all of you who stayed around and listened in to this amazing conversation um, with these uh, three uh, powerful black men doing work um, in communities and for families. And so until I see all of you again, go well, stay well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, Doc. Beautiful. Appreciate you much. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you.